1: Good evening and welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I am your host, Vina Jones-Cox, and Real Life Real Estate Investing is your public radio source for the inspiration and information you need to start or grow your own real estate investing business. And today we are going to talk about a topic that we haven't, haven't discussed in a while, Um, and yet one that a lot of folks are very very interested in because it seems like a super obvious way to uh, find motivated sellers and um, in fact folks who are are not just motivated but one way or another they're going to sell and that is folks who are in pre-foreclosure my guest today is Dwan Bent Twyford, a gal who went from waiting tables and owning a chain of tanning salons to becoming the queen of short sales. She's known throughout the United States for. Her over 1,000 deals are actually, put her, put her together with her husband, they've done 2,000 deals over the course of the past 20 years or so. And she's joining us today to answer your questions about short sales and foreclosures and how they work in today's market. Dwan, welcome to Real Life Real Estate.
2: Thank you. I am so excited to be on the
1: show today. <laughs> I'm excited to have you here, and I should say you are joining us from one of your homes. Um, you guys split your time between Colorado and Florida, and right now you are down in Florida, but in yes, a little in a little over a week, you are headed up to Ohio. And I
2: am. I'll be up there in a week or so. I'm excited to speak to all the folks up there and share some of my real estate knowledge and. People can't pass on some great tips to help them make
1: money, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, Tuesday, April 5th, you're going to be in Columbus at mm-hmm, Central Ohio right. Real Estate Entrepreneurs. And then that Thursday, you'll be here in Cincinnati at uh, Cincinnati RIA. And both of those meetings, as it turns out, are guest nights. So folks can come even if they're not members. They can bring friends. Um, I know at least one of the two groups is having a door prize for whoever brings the most guests. So... Folks need to mark their calendars, is what I guess I'm trying to say here. April yeah, 5th.
2: I April Pretty 5th nice if guess. you're in
1: Columbus. April 7th if you're in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. And then, um, uh, Dwan and her husband Bill are having a couple of follow up, uh, weekend seminars as well, which you can check out at uh, centralohio or cincinnatirea.com. So, um, let's talk about short sales, Duan, because golly have they changed <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the market the crash they
2: have changed a lot Mm-hmm. they have changed a lot you know the thing about short sales is you know even when they were like the hottest thing and they were so easy people always oh i don't know i hear it's a lot of work i don't know and for some reason people have just always thought they were so much work but It's really the same as building any other business. Once you make a couple connections at the bank, and once they see that you've closed a couple of deals, and you can keep going back to the same banks and the same reps and the same people, it just gets easier as it goes along. Just like with anything, like the more you learn about contracts, the easier wholesaling becomes. The more you learn and make connections at the bank, the easier short sales become. You know, it's just the more you learn, the easier it gets. So... We are having very good success. Our students are still to this day having very good success. Um, banks, well, as you know, banks are inundated. There's hundreds of thousands, if not millions of properties sitting around vacant that the banks took back through foreclosure sale that they've never been able to do anything with, and they're just sitting there, just vacant, vacant, vacant houses everywhere. So the banks are kind of reopening their eyes again, to so like, hey... So maybe we could just get rid of some of these because we have so many vacant ones we can't afford to have any more vacant properties. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Now maybe maybe we should take a, a little bit of a step back here, and uh, just for for folks who are yet really new to the business, and talk about what a short sale actually consists of because I mean that's mm-hmm. that's language that. You know we've been using now for probably fifteen years, and yet there's lots of people who weren't in the business fifteen years ago. So, let's talk a little bit about about how that whole thing works.
2: All right. So the so folks, the basic gist of a short sale is you have a property where the homeowner owes about what it's worth, if not more. So let's just say it's a hundred thousand dollar house. They owe $100,000 against the house. It's a foreclosure. They're losing it. There's just no equity. There's no way to refinance it. There's no way to sell it. There's no room for real estate commission. It really is just like a lose-lose-lose situation all the way around. So what we do is we talk to the homeowners, and they say, hey, will you help me out? I want Alpha underneath to steal And we get the house under contract, and then we contact the bank, and tell the bank, hey, look, we'd really like to buy this house, but we can't buy this house for the hundred thousand that they owe, but we could possibly buy it for fifty, like half of the value. So what a short sale is, is getting the bank to take less than what's owed against the house as the full payoff. So you get a hundred thousand on a house, owes a hundred thousand, you are able to negotiate the bank down to fifty, the bank says we'll take fifty. So now you short-failed it or got it for less, you shorted it, you discounted it, so you paid less for it. Now you're able to buy that house for 50 Well, when you pay 50 for it, you have all kinds of options. You might be able to wholesale it, you might be able to keep it for a rental, you might be able to rehab it, you might be able to move into it for yourself. So you have a lot of options if you can buy the property for the right price.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the big question that, that folks who aren't, Familiar with all of this and how it works, always ask is why would the bank do that? They, I mean, don't don't they want don't they want their hundred thousand dollars? Don't they want the house back?
2: Well, you know that is probably one of the most popular questions. Like, why would the bank do that? But you know, the thing is, if you look at things from the bank's point of view. When the bank, the back when, um, oh, what was the EMC or something? I was on uh, MSNBC once with, like, the president of EMC or some bank. And he said that when once the bank actually serves the foreclosure papers, the day they serve those papers, the bank loses 40% of the value straight off the top. Meaning, by the time they pay the real estate taxes, they pay for the forced insurance, they pay all the attorney's bills. Once the bank pays all those expenses, it was forty percent off the top. So you've got a hundred thousand dollar house, the bank is gonna be lucky if it makes sixty in the long run. Mm-hmm. So we show the banks how the numbers work. That's basically the key. The key to a successful short sale is learning how to work the numbers backwards. And that's one of the things that we're gonna teach at the weekend workshop. We're gonna have everybody Clean sheet of paper, start at the top, $100,000 minus, you know, how many months of interest rate has the bank lost, minus the forced insurance, minus the real estate taxes, minus the rehab that the property needs, minus the commission that they're going to have to pay the real estate agent when they do get it back, minus the attorney's fees. And when you start subtracting all these fees off, and then the homeowners say, oh, by the way, we're going to file bankruptcy, so now you add a year's worth of fees on top of the fees you just had, typically the bank is going to make less than 50% of the value when they actually get possession of the property again. So my philosophy and my question to the bank is, why not take my 50% today instead of going through the foreclosure and the bankruptcy process and getting the same amount of money in two years?
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: So then the bank goes, well, you know, we're a bank. And they have, uh, you know how they are. It's like, wait, now let's just look a little further, Mr. Banker. If the homeowners you know, aren't paying and you're having to pay all these expenses out of pocket, and then they call bankruptcy. That just messes everything up. And I can close on the deal right now. But if you wait two years, it's going to be on quarterly reports, eight more of those. It's going to be on two more year-end reports and this does not look good for for you having this house on the books for month after month after month when you have an offer in writing right now that's more than you're going to get in the long run. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. So it's so a, it's, a, it's a financial decision. I mean the bank the bank isn't bank isn't letting you have the property for half price or you know we've all seen short sales that have been from even less than that. You know for for 30, yeah, oh yeah. Or, 30 or 40% of what's owed on the property They're not doing it because they love you or they care what you want. (laughs) They're doing it because it makes financial (laughs) sense to them. Uh, We need to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Bob, who has called uh, from South Carolina. And we can also take your calls about short sales and foreclosures at 877-772-9658 or send us an email. Just go to our website at realliferealestate.com. welcome back to real life real estate investing i'm your host Vina jones cox talking today to dwan bent twyford a name that will be familiar to a lot of you because she just seems to show up everywhere she's a (laughs) best-selling author she's on msnbc sometimes she's just all over the place all the time i was
2: on nine news this week in colorado
1: there you go on nine news this week in colorado and uh her, 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 her known area of expertise, like what people think of when they think Dwan, is short sales. She does lots of other things as well. But uh, since we haven't talked about short sales here on the show for a while, that is what we decided to focus on today. Uh, let's go to line one and talk to Bob, who's calling from South Carolina. Bob, welcome to Real Life Real Estate.
0: Hey, Vina. Hey, Duan. Love your stuff, Dwan. You know, I did my first short sale using Dwan's information back in 2005. Really? But, um, no. Yeah, well, well, thank you. Stuff. But, well, if, Duan, if I could ask you something here, okay? Uh, actually, two questions. Um, how can, What I've run into a couple times now is that the bank on the letter is going to the homeowners in default may not be the actual investor. They're just a servicer. First of all, how can you tell who is the actual investor? For example, in the one case, the actual investor was an insurance company not subject to the FDIC rules. And so, as you know, they don't have to hold the bad debt reserves in that case, so they don't mm-hmm. really care. Um, and the second thing is if the investor is not a bank that's subject to FDIC rules, would you still try to short sale um, And if so, how would that differ than if the investor was a bank that's subject to FDIC rules?
2: Well, that's a good question. So thanks for asking both those questions. Uh, You know, honestly, I always tell people, when in doubt, you might as well try and do the short sale. Because any bank, no matter who, still has – I mean, the numbers are the numbers are the numbers. They're still going to lose X amount of dollars from this mortgage payment. They're going to lose money. From the forced insurance, they're going to lose some money from paying the real estate taxes. Um, They're going to lose money from the repairs and damages to the property. And, you know, if a homeowner files bankruptcy, if they get a decent attorney, they can file bankruptcy. They can buy two years of free living in that house. So by the time the bank gets that house back in their possession, they've already, when they first come to us, as you know, they're probably already 10, 11, 12 months behind. And then, if you talk mm-hmm. on two more years of bankruptcy, that's three years that this bank has been paying mm-hmm. for attorneys, that's still got the year in books. I mean, regardless of who it is, they still have their profit losses, they still have all those things. So, that doesn't change mm-hmm. based on the bank or the servicer or whoever it is. They still have all those things, and they have to either sell it or they have to take it through the foreclosure process. But then, as you know, right now, they get the houses back of the foreclosure they let them sit there vacant for, I don't know, I've seen vacant houses for two, three years just sitting there because no one has the staff or the time to process the houses on the next step, which is to get them listed with a real estate agent. So I think you is should it- try everyone because, you know, it really is only a matter of a couple of phone calls. And If they say no, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, okay, move on. And if they say yeah, then go for it.
0: Is, is there an easy way that you can figure to tell who the actual investor is?
2: Yeah, you can call it. Yeah, you mean as far as like if it's a bank or whoever it is, I mean, you're going to get a letter yeah, from somebody, a servicing company. You're going to get a letter from somebody, and they're always working for whoever the investor is. And the servicing companies are very popular right now. We have to deal with a lot of them. We don't deal a lot with the banks as much as we used to as, as more than we do with servicing companies. And, you know, it's the same thing. The servicing company has been hired by the bank to do something with that property. So, you know, it's loss mitigation. They have to, like, figure out a way to mitigate this loss and do something with this property. So servicing company, private investor. Now, if it's, like, if it's like, just a straight-up private investor, they're not always as open to doing a short sale because they fear they'll just wait it out and get the house back. But the thing is, regardless of who it is, the expenses are still the same. Yeah, and, and so years
1: it,
2: yeah, I ago, just well, years ago when we would do short sales, we would talk a lot about the homeowner and the hardship and, you know, let's help them out and, you know, rah, rah. But nowadays, it really is, we really just kind of go straight for the money. You know, this is what it is. Mm-hmm. Here's what it is with bankruptcy. Here's what your fees are going to be. Here's this, here's that. Here's how much you're going to make. You go crunch your numbers with your boss, and you call me back and tell me, if you can show me how you're going to make more money, I'll give you more money. But you show me on paper how you can make more than what I'm offering you. So we kind of just really beat them up about what they're going to get when they get the property back.
0: Okay, so, well, what happened, I guess, in the one case was it was Chase, who was the bank on the letter's. But they're only a service for the insurance some insurance company up in Chicago, who is the actual uh-huh. investor. And ideally, I wanted I, I didn't find this out until later after the house had already gone back to REO. And um, I would have preferred sending the letters directly to the insurance company in Chicago, but I didn't know who they were because Chase was the front guy. You know what I mean?
1: Well, so Bob, there's some
0: way now, to find out. Let's
1: let's let's is be there, let's be clear. To, Wait a minute. Let's let's be clear on on what happened here really, because you say that the you say that the insurance company owned it, but they, they, did the insurance company own it or did they own a Fannie Mae mortgage pool that this mortgage happened to be in? I mean, I, I doubt they held this individual mortgage. They they probably had had bought into a, basically a securitized mortgage pool, which means that the insurance company may, it's very un, very unlikely that they had any mechanism for dealing with a short sale. So even if you had been able to get in contact with them, they would have bounced you back to the servicer because okay. the insurance company is well, not what they okay. do, you know. Um, secondly, I think now who knows about the internal workings of these banks and servicers, uh, mm-hmm. but <laughs> but I think that you can pretty well trust the servicer to be in communication with their investor about anything that you are that's going on that you're doing. Um, because I don't know I don't know how many short sales I've gotten down to what I thought was the very end of it. it was all it all seemed approved, et cetera, et cetera, and all of a sudden I get this well, no, the investor killed it message, which is which is you know we 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 approved it, we thought the b p o and your offer were close enough together, but then we actually talked to the investor and they said no, so that you know the investors often seem less in touch with reality because they're not the ones they're not the ones who are dealing with this on a day-to-day basis than the servicers themselves do. So I think you can trust that the servicers are passing on the information. Mm-hmm. You know, Dina,
2: just to, to jump in, the servicers, one of the things that I do is it definitely takes people back. But, like, let's just say, you know, that that Dina's presenting my offer and she's the servicer. I just say, you know, listen, mm-hmm. Dina, I understand, you know, you work with the loss of negation, you're the servicer, so let's just run through the script of exactly what you're going to say on my behalf so I can make sure you're presenting all the facts with me. And there's always this really long silence, and they're like, <laughs> what? what? I said, well, you know, I can't talk to to the person, and I know you're going to talk to them me. and I just really want to make sure you don't leave anything out. This is really important. I am really the not one these people to bankruptcy, bankruptcy. Things are just about ready to get out of control. So let's just review the facts. Now, I showed you how much money the bank is going to lose. I showed you this. I showed you that. Do you have everything in writing? Is it all in front of you? Can you repeat it back to me? And believe it or not, they will often cooperate and kind of present it back and, you know, go through and make sure that they have all the facts right because that person is doing your presentation. Mm -hmm. So if you just go through with them and they don't really understand it, you're going to get a lot of no's because they're not going to present it very well for you because they're the person that's going in to say, hey, you know what, I've been sitting here with Ron and we crunched all these numbers and she sent me this form out of her program that says, you know, working the numbers backwards. I went over this form and she's exactly right. If we don't do this or that, we're going to lose a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Because I have a Mm -hmm. form I fill out and I send it to them with all the numbers and all the math and how I came to each figure and how it all worked out that way. And mm-hmm. there's no denying. Like the numbers are the numbers. So, you know, you're going to lose this much money and that's just the fact. So tell your bank okay, or, tell so the best- or, or tell whoever, mm-hmm. my homework is on bankruptcy and here's what you're going to get in the end. So I don't like really here what you do. <laughs> just tell <laughs> me what you want me to do.
0: Okay, so the best thing I can do is just go through the servicer, but make sure that servicer knows the logic behind my offer to present to the investor.
2: Exactly. Make, yeah, sure, make sure they really understand it. Because here's what they're used to. Okay. They're used to people calling up okay. and saying, oh, the homeowners are in trouble, oh, the homeowners are going to file bankruptcy, well, you know, they're going to sell, they're going to live in the house. But very few people actually say, Do you know what, here are the exact numbers. You're going to spend this much money on attorney fees. You're going to spend this much money on forced insurance. You're going to spend this much money paying the real estate taxes. You're losing this much money in commission, and, and they give them, like, an exact layout. When this is said and done, this $100,000 house, you're going to net $44,210.05. Here are mm-hmm. the numbers. You look at these numbers, and if you can find a mistake, let's discuss it now, before you present this to the investors. And so if you <laughs> can just kind of do a little minor training session with that servicer, and really show them the real numbers, you can't argue with the math. It's like mm-hmm. 2 plus 2 is always 4. Mm-hmm. If you miss 15 okay. payments, and you miss 2 years of tax returns, and you have $10,000 in attorney fees, these are always the numbers. They're always the same. So I think what people don't realize is that which store sells changing as much as they have, banks are more concerned about the bottom dollar. They're more concerned about how many, you know, is this house going to be on my books for the next two years, and how do I present this to my shareholders who are breathing down my throat. And we actually have a good leverage point right now. Um, if we can get the houses that are with the homeowners and we can use bankruptcy as, you know, our big threat. Okay. And we're and we're okay. getting really great deals. We're getting really great deals. But now instead of focusing on the deal and
1: the homeowner and this and that, we're focusing on the map. Gotcha, okay. Yeah, that and that is a oh, thank th- you. that is a serious change, Bob, if you remember back in 05. <laughs> remember remember, yeah. remember how the market was then where like you know. Oh, yeah. pe- people who were who were literally in foreclosure could still get loans to finance out of their foreclosure.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, think? no, that, those days are so gone. You know, it's so hard to get money out of these banks nowadays. But what the banks are realizing is they see how many vacant houses they have, you know, and they know how many vacant houses are sitting there. I mean, you know, we put our uh, – I'll give you guys all a little free tip here. When Bill and I um, go out door knocking, we put I Light Houses cash signs in front of our bandits, uh, in front of uh, – Bacon houses. So if we're out running around for the day, then it's a door knocking day. Every time we see a bank owned vacant house, we see an I buy houses cash sign in the yard. So some of those signs, Mm -hmm. and I'm in Florida right now, I still get calls off of a sign that we put out. We went out sign (laughs) homes, putting out signs two years ago at Christmas, two years ago. And a couple of those signs are still in people's yards because the banks haven't gotten around to processing the houses yet. Mm. So banks wow. understand, like, banks understand, well, if I get this house back, it's going to sit there for another year, because I mentioned that. And Juan's right about that. That's more insurance. That's more risk of vandalism now. It's, you know, I still have to pay the real estate taxes. And so the banks are more concerned now with, I wonder how many years it is really truly going to be before we can process this house and get it listed. Because they don't mm-hmm. have enough people
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: so it is a it's a turnaround mm-hmm. so now it's not like oh work with my homeowners it's like listen you guys are going to be so screwed if you don't work with me these people mm-hmm. are fun bankrupt you to hear the way they talk you are in trouble <laughs> and you're kind of the good guy
1: um, all right folks um you remember me i'm i'm the host of the show here uh we <laughs> <laughs> We, <laughs> we actually. No, <laughs> We actually have to take well, a break. It was the Dwan show. Yeah, it just it did it, it did become that there for a moment, didn't it? Every any, any room Dwan's in is the Dwan show. That's the oh. that's that's the that's the that's the reality. We just all step. that as a compliment. We just all step back and let her do her thing, and it's always good. All right, so uh, we need to take a quick break, but Bob, thank you very much for your call. Uh, we'll be back right after this, and if you have any questions, you can give us a call at 877-772-9658 or go to our web- website at realliferealestate.com and uh, send us a question via our question and answer box there on the website. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Dwand Bent Twyford. Dawn is going to be making a trip through Ohio along with her husband, Bill, in the first week in April. You can get more information about her Columbus visit at centralohiorea.com and about her Cincinnati visit at cincinnatirea.com. Um... We're talking today about short sales, and we are certainly open to your questions about those as well. The number here in the studio is 877 772 five eight The um, way to send an email is to go to realliferealestate.com. There's a little tab there. It says Ask Vina a Question And we've actually gotten a handful of questions here via email. Uh, This one is from David in New York City. He says, I have been collaborating with a rehabber who has his own short sale negotiator. The negotiator recently completed a short sale involving a reverse mortgage. Oh, that's interesting. Interesting. I thought this would make a make the short harder, and it was. As I didn't negotiate it, I don't know specifically what made it harder. What do you perceive the added problems to be with doing a short sale on a reverse mortgage?
2: Well, my answer is really super short and sweet on that one. They are such a pain in the booty that we don't do them at all. <laughs> I'm just like, reverse mortgage? Yeah, no, thank you. I barely do them on a VA, but I will still do them on an FHA because VA, you know, they're still at like, you know, 91, 89% of appraised value. So there's just no deals there. Uh, VA is okay. VA is actually really good right now because they'll pay the homeowners um, moving money up to $6,000. They'll pay the moving money. So if it's reverse, it's just a no. If it's a VA, it's a maybe, let me just look at the numbers and make one phone call. If it's a, if it's a FHA, well, let me make like two phone calls, and if it's anything else, I'll take it.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Yeah, I've heard. They're really
2: hard to do, because, you know, the people are giving the people money against their house while they're living, and then the house goes to the bank, and there's no real reason for the bank's.
1: To need or want or have to do a short sale. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's um. People people see the ads on television for reverse mortgages, but you know if you're not what the, there's some lower age limit where you can get them 55 or something, and I'm not sure folks are really familiar with how those work. uh But it's exactly like you said. You you get the payment. You 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 mortgage your house, but you're the one who gets the payment every month. And uh, so typically, the only the only times I've ever seen those go into foreclosure is the person dies, because that's the point, that's the only point at which you have to pay the mortgage back if the borrower dies, and then for whatever reason, the estate doesn't sell the property to recover the money for the reverse mortgage holder. So it's a mm-hmm. little bit of an unusual situation uh, where you would even see that, but... What about, let's talk about uh, similarly um, properties that have home equity lines. How do you find those? Because it's it's a similar situation, right? I received, this wasn't money I got to buy my house. This was money I got and I bought a boat with it or something. And now I owe it back and I'm not paying it.
2: (laughs) You know, banks will do, it kind of depends on who has, who's the home equity line. The home equity line. It's with the same bank that people borrow the money, and it's kind of all tied up. Although it's two separate mortgages, it's a first mortgage and it's a home equity line. It's all the same bank. It's a little bit easier to say to the bank, listen, let's just roll this lump sum of money into this one amount, and let's work off of this one figure. But when you have two separate banks, the separate banks, like you said, they're like, hey, you bought a boat, so I don't want the boat, I want your house. And the first mortgage is like, hey, we don't care. We're getting the house. <laughs> so really what dictates that is the first mortgage will strictly dictate what the second can get. So whether it's the second mortgage or home equity line or whatever it is, the first mortgage is going to dictate how much they can have. And they want to give them usually zero, maybe $1,000. And it could be a $50,000 home equity line. So if the first so the thing on that is if it's like a home equity line with a different bank, really the first phone call you should make is to the first mortgage and say, I'm interested in short-selling this house. What are you going to make the, the home equity line? What are you going to give them? We're going to give them 2500 bucks. Okay, fine. Then you call the second, the home equity line. Listen, the first is going to give you 2500 True that. We're not taking it. We're going to fight for it. Just step away. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because the first is going to dictate what the second gets and the second's already up front no it's not going to happen no matter what we'll go we'll queue, we'll keep good court it's like <laughs> okay i'll find another house <laughs> and and that's the thing being is you know you and i both know you can't make every single deal work and one of the hardest things for especially a newer investor one of the hardest things for a new investor is to To get a homeowner and someone who says, hey, I want to work with you, and I've got a house and a home equity line, and it's yours if you can work it out. They're like, oh, i got to make this deal work. But if you have, you know, 25 deals in your pipeline, then you can make that phone call to the first mortgage, and you can make that phone call to the home equity line. You can say, sorry, next, I can't help you, and you can just move on to the next deal. And that's you and I are able to do that. We're able to look at 25 deals, and maybe we only take one. But That one is definitely for sure going to close because we took the best one. But newer people, they get three or four leads and they feel like, oh my gosh, I have three leads. I have to make all three of these work, or I'm going to, you know, be out of business on myself. And they try to make things work where they should have really been more realistic and said no in the beginning and not wasted their time.
1: That's that's very interesting that you're that you're saying that because I think a lot of folks who who make their living at short sales full time approach it as a throw a lot of stuff at the wall and see what sticks kind of thing. Mm-hmm, you know, I mm-hmm. I have a I have a student now, I'm not gonna say where, but he's 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 in the Midwest, more Midwest than I am, who closed like ninety-eight deals last year, all of which were short sales. But to get to those ninety-eight, a couple of things happened. Number one he probably worked four or five hundred files.
2: Yeah, I was going to say he probably worked at least four
0: hundred.
1: Yeah. And secondly, he did, he did something that I see a lot of folks who are interested in short sales doing right now, which is he got a real estate license so that the ones that he could not negotiate down to a price where he wanted to buy and fix or buy and hold or wholesale, he could list, and yep. At least get a commission off of them. So so yep. of, of those 98, I'm i I'm guessing 20 were probably investor grade deals, if you were, if you will, <laughs> that, were, mm-hmm. that were cheap enough that, you know, for, for you and I to get excited about as opposed to a homeowner type deal, which is fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, homeowner type deals are fine if you're an agent and you can get a commission off of them. Uh, sure. but um, it, it's interesting that you say you're being super picky about I'm just I'm just even, not even going to go after the ones that aren't going to go anywhere and not waste my time because that's, that's the number one thing people complain about about short sales, right? They don't close yeah, and they take they forever.
2: Do. Yeah, they do. And, you know, it's funny. It's actually one of the things that I talk about at the weekend workshop is I tell people, listen, in the very first session in the morning when we're talking about how to find deals and, you know, kind of how to get your mindset right, I just tell people, you know, stop trying to make every single deal work. If you keep your pipeline full enough, at the first sign of a homeowner or a bank or an investor giving you trouble, you just go next and you move to the next deal. But when, but you know, you remember being new, and I mean, we're not so old. We can't remember when we were new investors. And when you're new, you have to. You feel like I have to make every deal work. This might be the only one I get for the next six months if I. I let it go. I'm not going to make any money. But once you have the confidence to know, hey, I can keep my pipeline full all the time. I know there's always another deal out there. I can pick the ones that are good. And the other ones, you know, you can't help everybody. That's the thing. And it's funny, this weekend, we just did a workshop this past weekend. And one of the women, she's uh, so sweet, and she's really... They so were really highly uh like a sensitive and she came up and she was like really had tears in her eyes. And she goes, You know when I can't help people I just start crying and I don't know what to do and I try to make everything work and I'm listening to you talk and I'm spending six months on these deals, any kind of deal. So that I just can't say no to people. So I said, Listen, this is what you have to do. This is how I was able to make peace with the people that I couldn't help and then they went ahead and lost their house anyway. I just say to myself, okay, God says all of us go through different seasons. This person is in a season where they're learning something about money, and I am not part of their solution. So I am able to say, no, I can't help you. I'm not the person that's supposed to help you. I can't make this deal work. I'm not part of your solution. So I have to say next and go help the next person who I am part of their solution. And that was kind of how I helped myself in the beginning because when I couldn't help homeowners and they would cry, I like wanted to move them all in with me. And, <laughs> you know, I felt so bad for people. But then I just started realizing, you know, not everyone is meant to be part of everyone's solution. And if I can't make it work, I can't make it work. And I can't feel bad about and beat myself up and not enjoy being a real estate investor. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. when people learn to keep 20 or 30 deals in their pipeline, They'll just dump them like hotcakes when they're not good. Then they'll suddenly be closing 50, 60, 70, 80 deals a year. So, man, all my deals close this year. That's because you said no to 150 other ones.
1: hmm Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, we need try. to take we need to take one last break before the end of the show here. I do want to we've got a couple more listener questions lined up, but I want to invite anybody's got any last minute questions to give us a call at 877 777 or to go to our website real life, real dot com. Send us a question via the ask a question tab there. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I am your host, Vina Jones-Cox, talking today to Dwan Bent Twyford, who, along with her husband, Bill, will be here in the Cincinnati area on April the 7th. Uh, you can get more information about that at CincinnatiREA.com. We are talking about short sales, and right now we're really just kind of taking listener questions about this because there's a, uh, a ton of them that have popped up here. Um, Question here from, again, David in New York. He says, if the mortgager has died and there are no other assets, then I believe the family has no incentive to participate in a short sale because the family will receive no money, and let me fill in the rest of that blank and say, and have to pay to open up a probate (laughs) so the short sale can be completed. Do you agree?
2: Well, You know, the thing about probate, you have to look at was there a will, did the person that passed away deed the house to somebody else, leave a power of attorney, was anything done. Otherwise, yeah, you have to open up probate, then the judge has to do a special deed where he deeds it to some family member who then has to do whatever. And if the payments do, those payments are piling up. the house goes into foreclosure, and a lot of houses are lost to foreclosure before the probate's even finished. So I agree in the fact that, A, I would ask, was there a will? Was there anyone left as an executor? Is there any kind of power attorney? Is there any anything? And if there's just nothing, the person died and that's it? Yeah, I mean, unless you, it's really like some crazy house with a ton of money in it, um, it's not really worth chasing because the, the payments are going to fall behind. By the time you get it through probate and pay for that and pay taxes and pay this and that, it's, there's no money in those deals. Mm-hmm. That's why it's so important for people. I don't understand why people don't want to do wills and power of attorneys and you know, I like I don't get why people just don't want to do those things. I think they have to wait till they're older. You know what? I've had that stuff done since Aila was born. I'm 30 years old right now my first will. I was like, man, I'm too young to be doing this. But I had a kid. You know, I don't understand why people don't prepare better. Mm-hmm. But they don't. So probate can be good. Probate can be bad. I've had a couple really amazing probate deals. But, yeah, there's no, no nothing. It's just probably not worth it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's not
2: worth the time. You could do just this. So
1: many easier deals you could do in that same time frame. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And yeah. Many times. So, so yeah. I mean, when when you bother to train yourself as an expert in any given strategy, you know, short sales being one of them, you can't afford to be a lot pickier. Yeah. Okay. If if you don't know which good which ones are are going to be the good deals and which ones are going to be the hard deals. You do everything, and you spend you spend a lot of time on stuff that's not gonna not gonna work out for you. And if it doesn't work out for you, it's not working out for the seller either, of course. And uh, that that's why you know this this it, trying to learn short sales off of off of you know YouTube videos big mistake. <laughs> there's there's way too much yeah. to you know, it. The
2: easiest solution for all that these folks, if they would just truly realize that by hiring a mentor like you or me. We could answer that question for them, and they wouldn't have to waste five minutes on it. <laughs> so, you know, I—I I, my philosophy is you learn everything in life from mistakes or mentors. And um, I don't know, mistakes is a long, that was my long, hard path. I wish in hindsight I would have had a mentor. That's why I like being one, because I can say, hey, look, don't go spend three months on this. I'm telling you right now it's going to be a no. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Now, if you still want to go to spend three months of experience, knock yourself out, but don't come whining back to me about it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, I got one last question here that I think we're going to have time right. to answer. This is from, uh, I want to say David, it's spelled like David, but with an E at the end, so I'm going to say it's David. Uh, The question is, I have a potential short sale, but the seller is an active duty serviceman. Apparently, his bank has decided not to foreclose because they don't think that they can get anything from him. How would I move forward on this?
2: They decided not to foreclose. They don't think they can get anything from him as in the way of when th- the bank takes the house back and sells it for less than what the owed They can't sue the serviceman. Yeah,
1: I just read something that Congress oh, had, had had extended that foreclosure relief for service members.
2: Yeah, yeah exactly what I was going to say. It's called the Mortgage Forgiveness Debt Relief Act. So something you guys should all write down, Mortgage Forgiveness Debt Relief Act, you can go on to, um, uh, oh, my gosh, I just went blank. I think it's whitehouse.gov. You can check every, you know, you can check on there all the time to see what things have been um, taken out, what things have been extended. But the Mortgage Forgiveness Debt Relief Act, actually Obama turned it down last year, but then he brought it back this year and for 2016. So if any homeowner loses a house in foreclosure, They are sent a 1099 for the difference of what the bank sells it for versus what they owed. So they had a $100,000 house, the bank sold it for 60, the homeowner is then considered to have earned that $40,000 and they get sent to 1099, then the homeowner, one time only on a primary residence, can take that 1099 and they fill out a form that's called the 982 form. Which their, uh accountant or CPA or even HR blocks can tell you. They fill out a nine eighty two form. They attach a ten ninety nine with it, and they do not have to pay taxes on that money. Mm-hmm. So the banks right now can't come after anybody anyway. Mm-hmm. All they can do is send them a ten ninety nine, and they can wipe it completely off once.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So well, closer. they can they can
1: they can wipe off the they can wipe off the taxes, but the, if if these if the banks thinks there's Deficiency judgment, Uh, like like like, if they think you've actually got money, and for some reason you just decided not to pay your mortgage, they can still come after you for the deficiency judgment. But the as far as as far as I understand it, and I'm I'm actually looking at the article I was sent, this foreclosure relief act for service members only says, from what I'm reading here anyway, that the uh, an active service person can't be foreclosed upon for nine months after their active duty is terminated i'm gonna have to look into this further because i i can't believe what i'm reading here um okay so let's let's leave that question as uh, to and be continued
2: i don't know exactly i know the mortgage forgiveness debt relief act is a general act for people you know like across the board mm-hmm. and it's for primary residences but i don't know the verbiage of the one specifically for the soldiers, but you know, honestly, what president? Nobody should propose on a third sur- on a soldier in active duty if yeah. they're fighting for our country. So, cut them a break, give them a two-year break on their mortgage while they're over there. You know, possibly getting killed for the rest of us, <laughs> and to protect you, why don't we just give these guys a
0: break?
1: <laughs> well, and it appears that, that may actually be the law. We we are we are out of time, uh, Duan, but I look forward to seeing you. Up here in the Cincinnati and Columbus areas, um, week after next, April fifth in Columbus. Thanks for having me on
2: the call, and guys, thanks for all your really great questions. And you know what? Give sort of short sales a chance. Give them a chance again. Just go in with a different attitude. Be talking about money, 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 and and beat the bank up.
1: It's fun. <laughs> All right. Very good. We will see you here in Ohio uh, in the first week of April. More information about that at CincinnatiREA.com or for Columbus at com. We'll be back next week with Question and Answer Week. Until then, happy investing.